I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. I am joined tonight by a good friend, author of, what was the name of your book again? Project Manticore. Yeah, Project Manticore, that is right. I'm sorry. I own it and I don't remember it. Ryan Bunting. No worries. Good friend of mine, Ryan Bunting. How's it going, buddy? I am doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Last time we talked, what was that, February? Was that February or January when we talked? Jesus. Seems like about five years ago the last time you were on the podcast. Dude, time is a fucking blur anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it's like I was, I, was, I was born in the 80s. I lived through the 90s. Lived through the 2000s. All right, so that's, that's two decades. And then March was a decade. And then May was the fastest month I've, le- ever, I've ever lived through. And then June was another decade. So I, I don't know. Time, <laughs> time is completely fucking foreign to me at this point. I'm just happy if I wake up or not. Yeah, well, it was, <laughs> it, it. I know it was shortly after Project Manicore came out. So I think it was early February before all this shit. Oh the, oh, the book came out in May. So it must have been March. See, dude, March was a fucking time vortex. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. No, yeah, that's right. Because cause we were dealing with some of the shit, some of the lockdowns and shit, but they were still saying 15 days and all that crap. Yeah, we're on, we're on like, we're you coming were up on day 200 of 15 days. <laughs> you were just about to move. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, so you, you made the move. How's, how's Delaware, right? How's it treating you? Love it, man. Every time I buy something and I don't pay sales tax, I go home and I touch myself to that thought. It's just like, oh my God, the state is not getting money from this transaction. And that makes me happy. <laughs> so that means you're a supporter of the senator from Delaware then? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I sent you, you some talking points. Yeah. But oh, but back to the move there for a second. Uh, I saw some pictures of the house, man. It, it's a really nice house. A really. Yeah. Old. No. It's 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 really nice. Um, everything's coming together real well. Now that we're getting everything furnished, and you know we're gonna we're getting the downstairs ready for putting on my game collection and all that shit. It's it's nice to have everything kind of fall into place. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm it, really it, it feels it feels like home. I still wake up some days and I'm like, I can't believe that this is my fucking house. Yeah. But it's it's nice. It's 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 a good feeling. It really is. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, you know, like you said, you're yeah, you don't have those Jersey sales taxes anymore. Which oh, nice. Jesus Christ! And the property taxes here are like a fraction. It's like. Yes, is my ass still chapped that I'm paying them at all? Of course. I'm a fucking anarchist. Taxes are not my friend. But they are, they're like a fifth of what they would have been if we decided to buy in Jersey, which was just not an option. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Mine aren't bad where I'm at either, but it's because I live in the Gulf Coast. So yeah, I traded, I traded, I, I have low sales taxes, high hurricane chances. So we had two of them this year. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I was I was concerned for you guys. I saw on Facebook that you know you you did the full evac and all that shit. And I was yeah, like, Damn, the, I... yeah. The the first one was was pretty bad. It, it fucked my barn up pretty good. 
um, knocked down a bunch of big limbs. Um, we we actually got lucky though because of where we were at because it because it landed in Cameron, so we were on the clean side of the storm. Um, so it was mainly just a lot of wind. But uh, my family in Louisiana, they got fucked. Well, yeah. So it was I can only good. imagine. Yeah. So the first weekend back, instead of cleaning up at my own house, I went over to my cousin's house and helped out over there because I was they needed it worse than I did. Um, and then Delta. Are you are you are you suggesting that you voluntarily aided somebody? I absolutely did. Yes, I did. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you, mean, you, know, you, we didn't, have the, you mean you didn't leverage the government to come? Nah, in we, well, we have the Cajun Navy down there. This is nothing new for our area. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 Cajun yeah. Navy. Yeah, yeah. Bunch of coon asses and aluminum boats. <laughs> Ain't nothing like it, man. They come up. They got they got ice chest full of water, ice chest full of beer. You know, they're grilling fucking shrimp and shit. Like, hey. <laughs> Everything the body needs, man. Water, booze, and barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they they do it right out there, so I ain't mad at them. But, yeah, it's uh Hey, man, why you tearing up my bag, fuckhead? Yeah, that's good. God happen. damn it, Boogie, relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucker. Yeah, that's going to be on the podcast, you little shit. <laughs> Everybody's gonna hear you get in trouble, you little monkey. He wanted to have his moment. Oh, he always got a. I'm surprised it's not his squeaky toy. That's usually what it is. That damn. <laughs> you usually hear that in the background. He's in the bed squeaking that thing. Squeak, 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 squeak. I'm like, all right. And I'm trying to ignore it. And I, I got a bunch of friends of mine uh, on a on a Slack channel. And uh, oh, you're uh, on there too. Uh, yeah, I'm always trying to ignore it, and they're always like, "Oh shit, you can hear Boogie in the background chewing on the bone." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, you fucking can." Yeah, I'm convinced that Gmail just filters Slack emails because I get zero notifications. Oh, do you? Yeah, Gmail's a pain in the ass with Slack for some reason. Ah, uh, you should just download the fucking um. The app. I'll download the app. Yeah, because yeah. I get notifications. I'm talking around. Yeah, yeah. Cause... Google censoring anything liberty related, so yeah, fucking... not surprised. No, it's not. No. Shit. Uh, I do you want to talk about the fucking um goddamn tech companies? Oh Jesus, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> this is your show, well, man. You said you wanted to vent. Let's go. Yeah. Well, so first we have Twitter is banning liberty leaning accounts just arbitrarily. Are they? I know like six people personally that have gotten banned. No obvious like terms of service violations. No nothing. Just banned. Jesus. And it's like, hmm, what's the only thing they had going on on their Twitter page? They were promoting less government, more liberty. YouTube is kind of doing the same thing. They are clamping down on anyone that's like, hey, maybe freedom's a pretty decent option. It's almost, like these, it's almost like these it's, fucking people want 
everybody that they disagree with to go to Parlor and to go to Rumble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, absolutely. Why? why it, it's 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 like if a diner were to open up and have a sign that said no homos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, are you and now fucking there's, uh, serious? You're a fucking And now there's, idiot. there's Odyssey. Odyssey is a YouTube alternative, and there's it's completely on the blockchain. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Odyssey. Odyssey's awesome. They actually they pay you. They give you their blockchain currency for following channels, for interacting on videos. It incentivizes you to interact. It's a very small amount, so you can't. And they have like uh, bot protection. So if you just set up a thing to just like comment gibberish on the channels, you're not going to get anything. This is the guy. But, this is the guy. But, it, that, but uh, it, it allows you to like to like you earn your your credits, and you can actually give them to the creators of the content you consume the most, which oh, I think so is pretty kinda, fucking cool. Oh, that's kind of like mine's was when it first started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so this is the guy that that was on the Corbett Report a couple of weeks ago. What is it? Library TV. Yes, Library is now turning into Odyssey. Okay, okay, yeah. I, I went. It took me a second, but I kind of connected the dots there after a minute. Yeah, I. Yeah, yeah, it does so sound dude. interesting. Well, and then Dan Bongino, who's a big conservative voice, he's a. He's part owner of Parlor, and now he's invested in uh, a YouTube competitor called Rumble. And so, like, a lot of conservatives are going to go over there. Yeah, well, I mean, YouTube is silencing conservative voices, so they need somewhere to be. Well, and there's BitChute, and um, yeah, yeah, there's a few, there's a few of them. Um, yeah, there's yeah, there's BitChute, there's Library, which is now turning into Odyssey, and there's like a handful of others. Well, I tell you um, what, I always had issues with BitChute. I never could get uh, my podcast to upload to BitChute. It would always tell me like four hours, right? And then I would come back in like two hours, and it would say eight hours. And I would come back <laughs> in like six hours, and it would just be like, there was an error, and I'm like, yeah, there's something wrong with you, motherfucker. So I just quit even trying, you know. So I might look into Odyssey. Yeah, no, it's no Odyssey's pretty great um, because you can sync it to a YouTube channel. So what you can do is like, if you upload something to YouTube, regardless of whether YouTube demonetizes it or whatever, Odyssey will see it, pull it, and upload it onto Odyssey as well, and. And I think I think I honestly think Odyssey is going to pick up more traction than even BitChute because you have the you have the cryptocurrency incentive, mm-hmm. uh, but you also have the privacy that also comes with blockchain. Right. So it's uh, it's it's a neat it's a neat idea. I I hope it takes off. But you know we're in such a fucking janky time. Who the hell knows what's going on? But. Yeah. The bottom line is is that tech companies are basically they're the same thing as academia. Well, they're they're useful bitches. idiots. They're useful idiots for the state. They just they push the same narrative. You know, you've probably seen seen the meme where it's like, 
my uh, my views align with all of the corporations and the government. Yeah. I'm part of the revolution. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> if, yeah. if your views align with those things, you are the opposite of the revolution. What, what was I was I was I said that the other day. I said nothing makes me laugh harder than the corporate leftist fucking calling Johnny Rotten a poser. Right. Dude, and Johnny Rotten, dude, Johnny Rotten was, was, he, he was an Obama supporter. And then when Hillary came around, he was like, uh, not too keen on this bitch. But he voted and he for flipped sides. He yeah, voted for Hillary. But, yeah. But he was but, like, but but he, he, was, was, he at least had the balls to be like, yo, she kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. But he fucking, he's the king of anti-establishment. Yeah. Yeah. If you're calling as the king of anti-establishment a poser, there's something wrong with you, motherfucker. Yeah. You know? yeah, like, yeah. Dude, is... punk rock these days. Punk rock is not what punk rock used to be. You know, like punk. The ori- the origins of punk rock always had kind of like a liberal leaning. They were always kind of kind of Marxist Leninist. Like, oh, everybody like. Just help each other out. We'll share stuff. But at the end of the day, punk rock was always about fuck the government, fuck the status quo. And nowadays, punk rock is, yeah, vote for the status quo because it'll be great, guys. And it's like, nowadays, dude, nowadays, punk you rock are the is fucking drink Pepsi and eat rock. Snickers. You know, they're like fucking advertisements yeah. for corporations. Yeah. Dude, and that's and that's the even funnier thing is like everyone's got like a big dick about Pride Month. October is like coming out month. I think coming out day is like October 11th or some shit. Yeah. And like everybody's freaking out. They're like, oh, there's not enough. There's not enough uh, media coverage of this like holiday that we made up. And it's like, dude, every single corporation slaps rainbows onto their logos in June. They pander to you for an entire 31 days. What the fuck more do you want? <laughs> I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to gonna come out as a fascist. Hey, guys, I just want you to know. An anarcho-fascist. <laughs> anarcho-fascist. <laughs> I'm an anarcho-Bidenist. I don't think the government should exist. But I also think that Joe Biden would make a really great Joe, ruler of the fucking populace. Joe Biden, with his dementia-ridden brain, is God, and I'm going to burn down a Trump supporter's garage. Fuck you, Nazi. <laughs> I did. I saw that story, man. I was like, there is no fucking way that is an actual leftist that that drew an anarchy sign in in Biden 2020 on that fucking garage. I'm sorry. Dude, one of the one of the hardest things that anarchists like ourselves have had to deal with is the definition of anarchy. You know, people always get it wrong. They're like, what? So you think there should just be chaos? And I'm like, no, it's not chaos. It's just no rulers. Yeah. There's no king telling you what you can and can't do. Right. You know, we just follow a simple rule. Like, don't hurt people. Don't take their shit. Yeah, well, and I mean, nowadays, nowadays, apparently, <laughs> anarchy is voting for fucking Joe Biden. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anarchy. I mean, um, 
higher taxes and bigger welfare states. I, I, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, and I fucking, you know, I, I do that every once in a while. I'll see somebody I know who's an anarchist who will be saying something stupid or fucking advocating some sort of violence or some shit. And I'll just fucking, just matter-of-factly just post uh, Kropotkin's uh, essay, The Morality of Anarchy. And I'm just like, let's not forget, you know, like, this whole, he, he, was, he was known, he's, he's considered an a anarcho-communist, but the dude, if you read his, uh, The Morality of Anarchy, he's a voluntarist. He doesn't, he's yeah. like, yeah, like, let them do their fucking shit. Like, you don't have to agree with it, but it's not for us to judge, you know? So it's like every now and then it's just like I, I feel like I got to like remind people like, hey, man, this has been covered for decades. Like, like there's no reason to be having this conversation anymore. You know, that's the, that's the thing that blows my ass off with like the the ANCOMs is they're like, you're an anarcho capitalist. So what? Property exists. And it's like, yes, property does exist. That that is a thing. I own things. And they're like, they're so convinced of their own worldview that they, they are willing to shut others out. And meanwhile, I'm like, dude, if you want to form a commune, go nuts. Fine. You're just not going to force me to partake in it. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to participate. I'm, I'm what they would call a panarchist, where it's like, yeah, I'm okay with anything as long as there isn't a government. Right. I don't care what economic system you fucking use. Well, if you and wait, if so you and fifty other be... people want to get together and share resources, go nuts. But you're not going to force me to partake in your system. Well, I'll it, trade with you, and this but is what they you're not going to force me. This is what nobody seems to get. Get if there is no government, then there's no central authority. Uh, you know, uh, that is controlling the economic system. So therefore, it would be panarchy. Absolutely. Unless you you'd were able just... To, you'd be able to live by whatever economic system you want. Right. Because there's no rulers. There's no hierarchy of power, especially a lit illegitimate hierarchy of power. You know, like, I mean, obviously everybody's going to have their experts that they turn to for this, that, or the other, you know, blage, blage, blage. But, but mm -hmm. they don't, they don't seem to understand the, the panarchy idea. They're like, well, why would anybody choose to do anything else? I don't know why, but let's say they did. Like, I can't tell you why people value certain things a certain way, but everybody values things differently. So let's say yeah. they chose something different. What the fuck are you going to do about it? Like, you know, are you going to enforce your governing power over these people? Or are you going to like, well, we're all anarchists. Fuck them. Let them do their thing. You know? and that, yeah. And that's the thing that kind of saddens me about like the quote anarcho-communist is that it's like, it's like, dude, I'm not telling you that I'm going to force you to engage in free market capitalism. Your, your ideology would ultimately require you to, but I'm not forcing you to do it. And all I ask is that you give me the same fucking gesture. Like, let me live the way I want to live, 
And if I want to sell you some shit or trade you some shit, let's do that. Right. But you, but, but don't force me to partake in your big commune because what does that require? A fucking state. It requires a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You like that ideology requires somebody to be like, well, we need to divert resources to this. We need to increase production on that. What have you, what have you. And it's like, you can do your thing. Just don't hold me at gunpoint and make me participate in it. I'll gladly trade with you. Just don't fucking force me to partake in it. It's like, you should be my ally, but instead you want to sit here and bicker over the difference between private property and personal property. Right. Yeah, I can make, I can make up words too. I'll make up a word and argue with you over the definition of it. But at yeah. the end of the day, the bottom line is, We agree on the fact that the state is an inherently oppressive institution and that people shouldn't have to fucking submit to it. If you want to form a commune in fucking Camden County, New Jersey, go nuts. Good luck in fucking New Jersey with Comrade Murphy over there. But, you know, you have the right to do it. Right. And I'm not going to shit on that. Well, and and one thing I have done is I, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but one thing I have done is I have abandoned, I've completely, well, I probably, I don't know, probably last year, I completely abandoned the term capitalism. I just stopped, yeah, because, using, I stopped using Capitalism has such a connotation to it where all I care about is are people exchanging goods without an authoritative figure taking a portion of that transaction? Right. But and that's it. But it was more because I read that book, uh, "Markets Not Capitalism." And, yeah, and phenomenal I, book. By the oh, way. it's a great book. And I was like, and and then I had a conversation with Sheldon Richmond, and I was just like, yeah, like this is really the way to talk about it. You know, this is really because what 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 Marx described as capitalism, what our government today calls capitalism are the same things. Absolutely. And so it's like, we have to, I feel like it's imperative to separate my ideology and my, my belief system away from that, you know, cronyist idea. So, so I, I went to calling myself uh, a market anarchist like Sheldon Richmond does. You know? Yeah. Well, Scott Horton. Calls yeah, because me. because the market the market can be whatever the market is. If the market is people sharing resources, or if the market is people trading things, right? It doesn't matter. Right. That's what the market in that region is. It's whatever it calls for. And at that, that way, time. that way you're not you're not kind of shoehorning yourself into a definition or a term in this case that has certain connotations to it. That's, that's why I don't, I don't use the term anarcho-capitalist. I'm actually more of an agorist now. I believe in just people exchanging goods and services. Yeah. Well, and I, I got into it with a libertarian, and I think this is about the time I gave up on libertarians, is I got into it with a libertarian last year about, about Chiron. Tehran, Mexico. You know that story? I don't believe I do. Okay, so it's a little town in, I think it's in Mi- Mi- Michoacan, Michoacan, Mexico. Uh-huh. 
and they kicked out all the politicians and cartel members and they just govern themselves all right and they right. run and they run their little community like a tribe would as like a little commune right and i was like this is a perfect example of anarchy working in our time and these libertarians were like that's communism i'm like it's voluntary i don't care what it is everybody in there is just working together and agreeing on how to organize these things and they're keeping out all the cops all the federales all the fucking politicians all the cartel members and say we are going to do our own fucking thing we don't want you in here fucking we don't they don't allow fucking um any kind of campaigning for politicians or anything like that in there and i'm like it's their right they chose that right yeah and these people just couldn't get past the point that they operate like a commune and i'm like but they voluntarily did it they agreed to do that yeah <laughs> who cares and that's the thing that's all that matters is that there's fucking consent right that's all that matters if they agree to live in a place that is that operates like a commune who gives a fuck the bottom line is is that the people there aren't there against their will they're not forced at gunpoint to share their stuff they do it voluntarily and they've been doing it for eight fucking years and here we are eight years later well no it's like i guess it's nine years now nine years later and now they're starting to allow small businesses and independent businesses to come into their area and open up all they want is to keep out all the corruption that politics and the police and the cartels brought to their town. I, the, I firmly believe all that, the that South America is going to be the biggest conduit for anarchy in our time. Wow. Because like I, I know people that live in Brazil and Portugal and Costa Rica. In fact, my, my, where I work, most of our business is with South America. Oh, Ecuador, really? Guatemala, and Costa Rica are like the big three. And the people that live in those countries are like, dude, these politicians are bullshit. Let's just do our own thing and call it a day. Right. And we have like all these people in Venezuela especially. Venezuela, Brazil, Portugal, Ecuador, Guatemala, Costa Rica, that would love to live in the United States, even with our bullshit cronyist system, because it's better than what they have, where they work their asses off and they get it taken by the powers that be. Mm -hmm. So you have, like this place you're talking about in Mexico, where they're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. Everyone's going to contribute. We're going to do it voluntarily, where you agree to do X thing. What's immoral about that? Right. Nothing. And once word of that kind of spreads, people are going to be like, wait a minute. Why the fuck are we asking some malignant fucking overarching overlord? Why are we asking them for permission to just interact with people that we live with. And that's, that's ultimately what I find attractive about agorism. And that's why I kind of tend to use that label because 
Agorism is just markets. Right. Like the book you mentioned, markets, not capitalism. It's just markets. It's just people exchanging goods and services on terms they agree to, whether it's you're going to share your stuff or, you know, we're going to take everything you have and distribute it equally. As long as people are doing so without the threat of violence, who gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. That's that's what it ultimately comes down to is that it's a it's a moral <laughs> aspect. And people don't understand that once you get out of these major cities, like the 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 government really has no way of reaching you. You know what I'm saying? There's no yeah. There's no real a semblance of any kind of authority in in like areas where I live. It's just a bunch of people that live in this little town and you know, yeah, there's a city hall that's never open. There's not a, there's not a police force. Everything is all the money that's raised there is raised by having a fair in in the uh, in in the fall and a crawfish boil in the spring. Like they, it's all voluntary the way that things work there, you know. And it's like, yeah, nobody really fucks with you around there. So they, it's just they can't get past this idea of the cities. And it's like you need to get the fuck out of the cities because those those are the people that the city people are like, oh, these fucking these fucking weirdos that you know, want to be left alone. They, they don't care about infrastructure, like, like roads, you know, that's like the go-to statist argument, but it's like, but it's like, dude, these, these places exist and thrive really with minimal government interference, you know, like rural America, everyone is like, Oh, these are just a bunch of fucking inbred hicks and all this, all this, you know, it's city folk rhetoric. Right. They're like, oh, I live in Philly where everything's great. And it's like, is everything great? Because you have like some of the highest per capita murder in the entire country. You know, like Trump said, um, bad things happen in Philly. And everyone took that and they ran with it. Uh, a, a very large group of my friends now live in Philadelphia and they're like, <laughs> bad things happen in Philly. And they're posting these memes to be ironic, but it's like, no, you're, you're actually correct. Bad things do happen in Philly. Yeah. Philadelphia is an example of government largesse. It's an example of over-regulation. It's an example of over-legislation and all of the terrible things that happen there are results of that. Right. But they don't they don't want to see it that way. They just want to vote for Joe Biden and be like, well, he's blue, so everything will be great. And it's like, no, your city is garbage and there's a reason for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, blue no matter who. I love that. Blue mm. no matter who. Okay. Jesus Christ. Uh, man, I made a my, com- my, I made my a sister <laughs> My sister in law to vote blue no matter who type and you know, you can't even have I a conversation to, with these people. I try not to throw the word hate around too much, but we both hate her fucking guts. She's, she's fucking terrible. 
you you can't. I mean, you can't have a conversation. It's like, like, dude, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you can't even open up a dialogue with these people because uh, my my wife's uncle, who is one of the greatest people I have ever met, he's like, it was Thanksgiving dinner last year. He's like, yeah, you know, you fucking. You move into the city and you become one of these goddamn socialists where you think that, you know, money comes out of thin air and that nobody, nobody has to do anything. You just sit on your ass and collect a paycheck. And me being me, I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. And my, my sister-in-law, like, took offense to it. Now, my sister-in-law uh, had a brain tumor when she was a teenager. And... She recovered from it. She saw a great doctor at a private healthcare institution. But she believes that Medicare is a human right and that, that everyone should have health care. And the VA killed my father. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, the last thing I want is that level of health care provided to the entire United States. Mm-hmm. I would trade anything in the world to have him back. But Jesus Christ, like, I, I've seen it firsthand. It's, it's not pretty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no shit. And I got not, to get, not to get somber or dark. He was a funny motherfucker, so he is probably laughing his ass off in hell or wherever the fuck he is right now. <laughs> oh, no. He's having a good old time. You but, get it yeah. honestly, man, because you're a funny son of a bitch. Me and Beatrix were laughing. It, yeah, it's, it's genetic. It's genetic. <laughs> yeah, I have my dad's sarcastic sense of humor and my mom's fucking outgoing, like over the top, boisterous personality. Uh, so, you know, I can be I can be an abrasive dick every once in a while. Listen, my dad always told me he was like, Listen, throughout your life you're gonna get a lot of laughs, but you're also gonna get a lot of slaps. Yep. And he was 100% correct. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, but back to the blue, no matter who, man. And, uh, oh, yeah. uh, Sorry about your dad. Like, that's really, I'm glad you have great memories of him, man. And you're able to, like, look at the bright side of it. Oh, uh, you have to. You have to. Because that's, that's really the the bottom line is that, is that, is that grief never stops, but grief changes. Yeah. You know, when, when you first lose somebody that you love, it's very sad. It's very harrowing. But eventually that grief transforms. And instead of thinking about all of the missed opportunities and, and, and all of like the things that make you sad, all you can think about are just like the funny time and just like some of the fucking ridiculous shit that he did. <laughs> you know, and it just, and you just smile, you laugh, and, and, and you move on with your life because life goes on. Right. We are trapped. We are trapped in this fucking dystopian hellhole for a very limited period of time. Yeah. So the least we can do is, you know, spread some liberty, crack a couple jokes, maybe write a book or two. Yeah, if you're a fucking, if you're an alcoholic psychopath like me or Stephen King or <laughs> I don't know, there's this, there's this, there's this fucking jerk off Tommy Salmon. 
some douchebag. He's got this podcast. He's writing like a like a horror anthology. Some some asshole. You know how. Yeah, uh, don't remind me. I gotta yeah. I gotta finish that. I that I've been I've looked over <laughs> Trisha's notes so many times, and I'm like, okay. So I got to do that on this story and that on this story. So now I'm like thinking of the story and I'm like, okay, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do it? I'm man, I'm slow as shit when it comes to that stuff. Cause, I'm, <laughs> Cause I think about it for fucking ever. You know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hard because she's such an avid reader that it's like, it's like, man, she wouldn't be giving me these notes without a reason. It, so, it, like, nothing, I, is, uh, nothing is. Absurd. I send her a chapter, and I'm like, I'm like, oh God, please like it, please like the chapter, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then she comes back with like three pages of notes, and I'm like, fuck, no, I need to dwell on this for like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I I might have had a I might have had a head up on leg up on you because I had edited these stories probably six times over the last nine years. Well, so, I was going to say, yeah, you said you've been writing these for like ever. Yeah, so. <laughs> I've been working on these things for a long time. So my notes aren't that in depth, but it's like, okay, now I got to think about that one thing and I really got to fucking figure out how I want to make it work. And so to me, I have to go through it in my head so many times before I even look at the computer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was like you warned me about, you were like, listen, you just put this book out and you're going to go back, you're going to reread it and you're going to be like, man, I fucking hate this. And you're going to want to reread everything. You're going to want to reread it, rewrite it a thousand times over, but you need to just reach a point where you accept it. And you're like, you know what? This is what it is. This is, it, it gets the message across and I'm done. Yeah. And that's how it is. That's that's how it is for me dealing with my wife's edits because she reads so much more than I do. And she's like, yeah, this this doesn't sound right, and you should reword this. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. But I was pretty drunk when I wrote it. It, yeah. it, it should be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like whenever I read your book, I took some notes, and I was like, and I took them on the back cover. And then I don't think we ever talked about any of them because I was like – Last thing I want to do is make you go back and rewrite your book. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what it'll turn into. You'll go to like, okay, I got to. Well, that was how, that was how it came up because you were like, you were like, yeah, I took I took some notes, and you were like, yeah, you know, like at this point, you know, why would why would she why would she put it out like that? She would be much more direct like this. And I was like, fuck, he's right. And then you were like, yeah, but no, 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 because you're gonna you're gonna want to edit this thing into the fucking grave. Just let it be what it is. Yeah. Like, All yeah, right. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. <laughs> yeah. The, my point. My point wasn't go back and change your book. My point was like just keep things like a little like slight things in mind. And and part of like part of what made it unfair was I read the book so fast. Like I read it. I read it in two days. So everything yeah. everything had to like it had to tie perfectly. You know, it's kind of like sitting down and watching a movie and you get this one thing that's happening and you're like, wait a second, that doesn't fit with the character, you know, like, mm -hmm. so, so when you read things that quickly, like you can notice things and, 
And so I was like, I was like, man, I want to tell him this, but I don't want him to think that I'm like being an asshole about it. Like, and, and go back and try to rewrite the whole book. <laughs> like that's like, and poor and poor Beatrix was like, oh no, that's too strong. And I'm like, no, just tell me, tell me everything. It <laughs> <laughs> really, it's so, like because because I am who I am, and I look at books and literature the way I do. It's nitpicky. My, I brought, I might be the only person in the world that would ever pick up on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, I I appreciate that because, like, for me, it was the first thing I ever fully committed to paper and was like, I'm going to release this to the world. So I want criticism. Right. I want I want to know what I can do better so that I can focus on that in my next endeavor, which I'm currently about three chapters into I wrote 2,500 words today nice. actually on, uh, my next endeavor. And you know, that's the kind of stuff that I take. You had sent me the seriously. first chapter. You, you had sent me the first chapter. Is it the same book? Yes, sir. Okay. I'm yeah. actually, I did. I did. Yeah, I'm on chapter three now. I've been sleeping on it because I'm like, I'm working from home, so I'm like, all right, you know, I'll, uh, I'll do my thing. I get my work done, and then I'm like, oh, hey, video games. <laughs> Just fucking <laughs> completely distracted. Well, you know, I do, I, I do the same thing. Like, it's, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's so, it's so hard, like, in the logistics business because it's so constantly, like, like a mind fuck all the time mm -hmm. that. Like when I get home, I'm home for a day and a half and it's like, I have so much to do around the house. I have so much I want to get done. And it's just like, I kind of just want to sit around and drink beer for a day though. I want to yes, have one day, exactly. like, you know, I know <laughs> exactly. I need to get this shit done, but I kind of don't want to do anything. You know, I kind of want to just get fucked up for a couple days. Yeah. And, and just get back to the grind. Yeah. Yeah, totally decompressed. So it, it it's it's completely understandable like that you're like cuz I I do uh, at night sometimes I'll stop and I'll write a little bit and I'll get 80 words, you know, written in and I'm just like all right, dude. I'm going to watch Well, you're a hunter pecker. You hunt and peck on the keyboard. Well, you actually <laughs> you actually write your shit by hand and right. then transcribe it to a digital format. Right. Right. I'm a product of the technology generation, so I type at 97 words per minute, and I still fucking struggle to get words on the page because it's just, yeah, it's it's hard because it's like in your downtime, you just you just want to have a drink and and do your thing. Yeah, you just want to like just kind of relax for a minute, you know, and then you know you look up and it's an hour and a half later, and you're like, oh, I got to go to bed so I can get up in seven hours. So I can do yeah. all this shit all over again. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So it's just fucking crazy. But you know, I mean, we're we're lucky. Let's let's use that as a. Oh well, let's get back to this blue no matter who because I had a story there I wanted to tell. And then, oh yeah. Then we'll sure. trans. Then we'll transition to this lockdown and COVID and cronyism and all that shit. I don't know how many oh, of these geez. notes we're gonna get done. I'm, we're already forty five minutes in. Um. So. This uh, is going to be an extra long podcast of two um, people ranting about their 
about their fucking dissatisfaction with the state of the world. I might cut it up into two pieces. <laughs> that means I don't it's have gonna to. Going to be a two parter. Yeah, then I don't have to hey, record. If, hey, if you're if you're listening now to the Year Zero podcast, be sure to turn in tune into part two where we kind of do the same fucking thing except extended. <laughs> more vulgar, more pornography. <laughs> You get me and Tommy in the same fucking, the same phone call, man. It's over. It gets edgier. We work in the same industry, so we have, we have a lot of anecdotes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. But, uh, yeah, so I I, I fucking, somebody made a post the other day on Facebook. Uh And they were like, they were saying, Trump doesn't want to pass a damn um, stimulus. I'm like, okay, let's say that we're not worried about debt or our children's future. Um, you do realize that a week ago, a week before Trump said no more no more stimulus talks, that Nancy Pelosi came out and said, I, we're not going to pass a stimulus because it will help Trump in the election, right? And some lady comes back and she says, I would like a source where Nancy Pelosi said that. So I posted... <laughs> I posted a YouTube video of the interview. And she said, I'm not going to listen to some crackpot on YouTube. Everybody knows you can't get news from YouTube. I said, lady, this is Nancy Pelosi's interview on a podcast on YouTube. And she was, she, I was just like, that is the ultimate okay boomer moment. That is all. Yeah, I, I wanted to just tell it's her. It's so fucking wild. In in 2020, we have people that are constantly asking for sources. You give them a source, then the source isn't good enough. Because, like, oh, well, it's not Huffington Post. Or it's right. not the fucking, or it's the not the Washington Beast. Times. Or the fucking, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's not. It's not their own echo chamber. Right. It's not TV. And because of that, the they fucking reject it outright. And it's like, dude, we live in a time where our news sources are completely fucked. <laughs> okay. The, the entire mainstream media, or as Michael Malice calls it, the corporate press, which is an accurate descriptor, the corporate press does not give a single fuck about any of this nonsense. All they care about is getting you to vote for the person they want. Like every social media platform is like, hey, are you registered to vote? Dude, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, every single fucking thing has asked me if I'm registered to vote. And I'm like, yes, I am. And no, I'm not going to. No, I'm not registered. Yes, I yes I'm registered actually... because they. I'm registered to vote because they asked me at the fucking at the DMV when I was getting my plate transferred over, and no, I'm not going to because fuck rulers. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I actually every time I see that on Facebook, which is every day, I actually report it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I'm like, and I report it as harassment. 
I'm like, this is a rat. I, <laughs> I report, I report, um, like political campaign ads <laughs> as violence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is reporting violence. <laughs> So, I'm just going to start reporting Joe Biden ads as pedophilia. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is sec- this advertisement is sexual abuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. But no, actually you brought up the corporate press. Did you see um did you see the Wolf Blitzer Nancy Pelosi interview? I did not. Dude, Wolf Blitzer actually went at her. Really? Went at her. Yeah. Of they all were, people. They were going back and forth until the end of the interview. It was fucking awesome. I was like, look at Wolf Blitzer actually be a journalist. What do you Yo, know? Credit? He, he does Listen, have I it give, in him. I give, I give points where I give credit where credit is due. If he went at his own fucking people to be like, yo, what are you actually going to do? Good for him. Yeah. Good he, for him. He's like, He's like, look, Trump has has a has uh, presented a 1.8 trillion dollar stimulus that will put money in the American people's pockets today. Why have you not looked at it? Why have you not been talking in talks with him? Ro, Ro Khanna is calling for you to approve this stimulus bill. Why are you not doing anything? And she goes back to that whole, well, he wants his name on the check. And it's like, who fucking cares? What, yeah. cares what, what it, would it be different if check? Obama's name was on the check? Let's put your name on the check. But then, um, but then at the end, she gets all snarky with him, right? And she's like, she's like, look, you just don't understand. You, but I appreciate your concern over my constituents. And he goes, he goes, yes, I'm concerned. He goes, yes, I'm concerned. Because every time I walk out of this building, they're begging for money and they're begging for food. And she goes, we represent them. We represent them. We represent them. And we feed them. And it's like, what Uh, the fuck, man? Who the fuck are you? Like, she's good. It's fucked up. It's fucked up because Trump has broke these people because like my philosophy, the way I view the world and the way I view human transaction, people like to come at me and they're like, you just hate the poor. And I'm like, no, I, I, I am the poor. Right. I grew up, (laughs) I grew up in abject poverty. Yeah. I was able to buy this house after like a decade of saving money. Yeah. Like I I am the poor. Right. I fucking struggled through this fucking system working shit jobs until I finally found one that I really fucking identified with. Yeah. And it's insulting to have people be like, Well, you just hate the poor because you don't think that you know, the welfare state should just be giving out money. And I'm like, no, I believe the welfare state shouldn't be giving out money because I've read a single fucking book on economics. (laughs) A single fucking book. I read, I read the fucking, the fucking, the Tuttle twins, the Tuttle twins book on economics. 
baby's first dollar. I read the whole goddamn thing and I was like, Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe people should have to actually provide something of value to like, you know, get something in return. Are those books God forbid. God forbid somebody does something for me and I decide, hey, that service they're providing is worth more than, you know, the dollar value I'm giving them and we make an exchange. God forbid. But it's like it, it, it's insane. It's insane. Like Democrats I you know, like Every, everyone likes to chalk everything up to, like, alt-right Russian trolls or whatever. Mm. But, like, there's a reason that there are non-white people in the fucking, in the Republican quote-unquote movement. Because, you know, imagine being someone from Cuba who fled their country on a raft made out of garbage yeah. to end up in fucking Florida and Florida is a better situation than you were in. Yeah. So you can't be surprised at the fucking Latinos for Trump posters because, you know, despite the fact that Trump is, you know, not that great. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of from like the Dave Smith camp of things where, you know, I give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I get more in my paycheck, but what is this going to cost me in the long run? Right. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, you know, these these people fled actual authoritarian oppression. You know, we are flirting with it. Right. Our country is currently flirting with authoritarian oppression. They swiped right on authoritarian oppression. You know, on Tinder, they're like, ooh, maybe a little bit of government action up in here. Mm, send me them titties. You know, the country, the country's like, ooh, I would love to see some authoritarian titties with some chains on the nipples, and, you know, maybe she's playing with herself in the pictures. But at the end of the day, it's still a fucking tyrant. So the country is flirting with this concept. And we have people that, that emigrated here recently that fled from that in full force. And they were like, yo, man, her fucking OnlyFans account wasn't that great. She, uh, you know, I paid $15 a month and she played with herself once. And, uh, yeah, I could have just gone on the internet and jacked off the free porn. Right. Uh, I just, I and, just, you know what? Meanwhile, I would but keep... meanwhile, these, these people that have fled from fucking Cuba, Venezuela, and various other countries in South America, we have a bunch of fucking middle-class white suburban kids that are like, no, you're wrong, socialism will work. And they're like, dude, I fucking lived it. It doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, you know, that... All right, so let's go to this... Let's let me see where are we gonna go here. <laughs> yeah, where do we go from here? All right. Alan so, Parsons asked the big question in like nineteen eighty seven. Where do we go from here? Yeah. <laughs> let's go with the uh let's go with the let's let's talk about the COVID lockdowns and the, and this cronyism. Alright. So I That's perfect. I, because I, I fled a state. I fled from New Jersey. 
which is one of the most authoritarian states in the fucking union, Comrade Murphy himself, Governor Phil Murphy, was like, we want to be the California of the East Coast. Hmm. And he said this during um, during when he was cam- during when he was campaigning to even become governor. This was before COVID was even a thing. He said, "I want us to become the California of the East Coast." And me being me, I was like, "You realize that California has human feces in the streets and widespread homelessness and rolling blackouts and rolling blackouts because well." It's good for the environment. Because <laughs> um, they want to be the South Africa of America. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude, the only thing Jersey's missing is fucking apartheid. That's the only thing they don't have. They're like, and, but they're rapidly approaching that point. Well, they're because still, they, they still want to kill us white farmers. Theory, because of horseshoe theory, they're like, oh, yeah, no, we, we want to make sure that everything is equal. And in order for everything to be equal, we need to have separate black and white schools. And it's like, um, well, it's a good thing that they don't have history books that are even remotely relevant because, uh, uh, dude, no joke. (laughs) No joke. I actually got a history textbook that my parents had. Mm -hmm. I opened up the front cover and back in the 60s and 70s, you know, students would sign out notebooks. It wasn't digital. Right. And I actually, I actually saw a family member's signature in that history book. Oh, wow. So, so in regards to how wonderful public education is, um, I had a textbook that one of my aunts had in the mid seventies. So it's like, I'm going to the same fucking school and I'm learning the same fucking thing from however many years ago at the time. Um, what exactly are we learning? <laughs> yeah. Where's this progress? Everybody keeps talking about. Yeah. And, and, and that's another thing that chaps my ass. I'm a progressive. Well, what is your progress toward? What do you consider progress? Because progress it's subjective, just like anything well, it's, on yeah, the it's fucking a, it's planet. It's an open, it's an open fucking goal. Like what open is progress? Is, is progress where you know you can be a trans person and you can flay open your dick into a new vagina and you can live that way without judgment? Because our world, our anarchist world, our scary anarchism. Our scary anarchist world would allow those people to exist without any judgment, without any bullshit. Maybe somebody would be like, oh, I don't agree with how you live, but they wouldn't have a means to force that person to live how they want. You would be allowed to be (laughs) a trans person. You would be allowed to be a gay person with a, a... you know, whether you're a dude and a dude that want to get married or a woman and a woman that want to get married, you would be allowed to do that. And even if people people disagree, they wouldn't have the means to make it illegal for you to live that way. Let's say like there's even an area, let's just say Alabama, the whole state of Alabama. All right. That whole territory, whatever it is in in Arcoville, like that whole area decides 
we don't, none of us that live here like them fags and them trannies and them damn cross-dressers and them damn niggers. They can all go to hell. Why the fuck do you want to be there? Move somewhere else. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> why and, would and, you want to be there? Well, if they and, don't, if and you're not biggest... wanted, why do you want to be there? If this, if this dude opens a diner and he doesn't like you why do you want to give him your money it makes and the biggest argument that comes from that is well what if i can't afford to live somewhere else what if my job is is tied down to this place and you know all of my economic sustainability is tied to this place to which our answer is in a truly open market not even a free market because like people get misconceptions about the free market but an open market where everything is possible competition is everywhere if you work in let's just let's just say you fucking stack boxes for a living you palletize fucking products for a living you can go and do that pretty much fucking anywhere because any large corporation has a distribution center in any major area, even minor areas. I live in fucking Newcastle County, Delaware, and we have like six Amazon distribution centers. Yeah. So like, so like the biggest argument is like, well, what if I can't move? And it's like, you can though, because in, in our world, in the world that we envision where people are truly free, if you live in an area that isn't tolerant to gays, lesbians, trans, what have you, you would be able to move. And by you moving, you are reducing their economic value and you are putting it somewhere else. And either that town, city, or state, however big you want to go, that town, city, or state would either say, hey, you know what? We're not going to hate these people, or you will let them fail. One of the biggest liberties, one of the most important liberties that people forget is the freedom to fail. As a business, as a person, you need to have the freedom to fail because we learn from failure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Every single failure is a stepping stone towards success. Every single failure is, well, look, this didn't work, but now that I know that this doesn't work, maybe I can try something that does. Mm -hmm. And eventually you will reach an equilibrium where that town, city, state, or even all the way down to business or individual will be like, you know what? I hated the gays for a thousand years or whatever, but you know what? It's just, it, it's just not economically viable. Yeah. And then eventually, which is what the very far left people want to force via legislation, eventually what would happen is that businesses, whether they're biased or not, would be like, you know what? We're going to hire these people regardless of their sexual orientation, regardless of what they identify as because they're good fucking workers and I don't care who they sleep with because the bottom line is they're doing a good job. Right. And that's what it all comes down to. And that's why this whole fucking lockdown has blown my ass off. 
Well, right. And well, and the whole lockdown has turned into this whole cronious fucking scam. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the only people that are allowed to to be open and continue to uh, create wealth are those with political ties. Those Walmart, big starts, Walmart, your Amazon, big box stores. everybody that the left hates, they're now defending. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? How do you not realize that you clamoring for lockdowns are actually creating the problem you seek to fix? You know, like with these lockdowns and these mask mandates, the only people they're serving is your Walmarts, your Coles, your fucking Boscovs, like your big box stores that have the financials that can survive this kind of thing. Meanwhile, the town, the town I moved from, there was a gym that I went to and I knew the owners of the gym. Mm -hmm. It was two dudes and the one dude's wife. It was, it was the three of them. They put tens of thousands of dollars into this gym. And all of the masketeers were like, no, we can't be open yet. You need to be locked down. And they were like, okay, we're paying $12,000 a month to be open and we're not getting any revenue. And they sent an email out. I got an email. Trisha got an email because we, we both went to that gym and they sent us an email and they were like, hey, look, um, with the, the, the lockdowns, we are unable to reopen again. And we're not going to be able to open even partially because we've already lost so much that it's not economically viable for us to open again. And I mean, all three of these people have children. They have families. They risked everything to open this gym in a highly trafficked shopping center, but they risked everything to open it. And now not only are they suffering, but the eight people they employed are now suffering. And that's where the leftists lose me is because they're like, I, I believe in this thing because it's morally good. But at the same time, that thing that they believe in is causing several people to be completely out of work. Right. Or completely out of a way to sustain themselves. Where's the empathy for these people? That their, their lives have been completely destroyed. I remember Ron Paul. And they don't report. think of that. They yeah. don't think of it because the only thing on their mind is, well, I don't want people to get sick. Yeah. And it's like, look, I, I, I don't want people to get sick either. Like, I'm not a COVID denier. Right. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, COVID doesn't exist. It exists. But unless you're over the age of 55, like, it, it, it proves very little risk. And if you have a comorbidity, if you have asthma or if you have COPD or some sort of comorbidity, like, yes, you should take extra steps to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. But expecting the rest of the fucking country to do so is absurd. And to shut down small businesses, dude, just the town that I used to live in, I think like, eight to 12 small businesses closed mm-hmm. our favorite barbecue joint, which if you're ever up in this region, I will drive your ass to the nightmare that is New Jersey to have this barbecue. Because it's very, 
Very, very fucking good. All right. But I mean, even they were like, they were like, we're not sure. Like, we're just, we're riding down. Thank Christ. They're okay. They had enough money saved up. And actually, believe it or not, surprisingly enough, now with the lockdowns, they've been doing more takeout and they're actually taking home more profit per month with the lockdown. Yeah. That, of course, is an exception to the rule. Absolutely. But, but it's like, but it's like everyone, like, I'm still in, I'm still in like the Facebook group of my old town. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe so-and-so closed. And I'm like, really? You can't believe it? You told them they couldn't open for six months. Yeah. What, what the fuck can you not believe? Yeah. What did you think they were going to do? You know, it's and, like that joke that's, I made. That's the other problem is that these people are like, oh, you own a business. You must be a millionaire. And it's like, no. Most small businesses operate on razor-thin margin. Razor-thin. I mean, they buy their product, they sell it at a certain percentage that gets them, let's just say, a 50% gain. But that 50% gain is mitigated by their staffing costs, their transportation costs, all of these other things that nobody factors in. And they're like, I can't believe they closed. Why would they close? They, they had a small business. And it's like, because you choked the last remaining life out of them. The only, the, that, like you said earlier, the irony is that these like super far leftists that hate big corporations are also very pro the lockdowns. And the only businesses that can survive the lockdowns are the big corporations. The big corporations. Right. All of the small businesses get choked out. Like they are doing... Like, all of the anti-capitalists, ironically, are giving the biggest corporations, the ones that they hate so much, the most value. But this is how it's always been. I hate Amazon. I hate Jeff Bezos. But we should shut down fucking everything except Amazon. But that's how it's it's always been. It's how it's always been. And this this is always my point. When I talk to them and they're like, well, we need regulations on this and we need regulations on that. And I go and I look, who's pushing for these regulations? Oh, uh, Holiday Inn, Marriott, Motel 6. Oh, Amazon, eBay. Oh, Walmart, Kmart, Sears. You know, and I'm like, yep. you, you, you're in bed with the lobbyists and you don't even know it. You're useful idiots. That's yep. it. You're putting, well, the, that's you're what the... putting the small businesses out of business. You know, it's it's uh my it was like I had said the other day, I had posted something about somebody had said something I don't even remember what the tweet was, but it was about anti capitalism. And I was like, Yeah, well, that's because as humans evolved, we grew food in the linings of our stomachs. And it was them damn evil capitalists creating tastes that made us start devouring food via our mouth. And therefore, we have to give them money now. Like, y'all don't understand how any of this stuff comes into existence. You don't understand how any of this works. You don't understand that I had a, I had a friend of mine, and he's a, he is an anarcho... Uh, 
more of a syndicalist, though he calls himself an ANCOM sometimes. But he he told me he was like, well, yeah, but sometimes the small business entrepreneurs are just as bad as the big box stores. And I said, okay, that's not been my experience, but I can't say it never happens. Yeah. But, but that doesn't mean that, but you're more likely to get fair treatment from the small business because they don't have as many options as the big box stores, right? The yeah. big box stores have lines for fucking months of people trying to go to work for them. The small business doesn't. They may have three applications on file, you know? Yeah. So you have more yeah. leverage. Dude, there, was a, there was a business in town. It's Audubon Hardware. I used to live in Audubon, New Jersey. It's a small town. Not a whole lot of people. It's like two square miles of space. And Audubon Hardware is owned by the father of a kid I went to high school with. And yeah. I had been going there since before I even went to Audubon High School. But when the lockdowns kicked in, the thing that kept them going was the fact that local contractors in the Audubon, Haddon Township, Belmar, Lawnside area, they all went to him because they were familiar with him. They knew right. the owner. Would you they, rather them they go knew to the owner? Pass? They knew his inventory. They did his. They they did the thing, and they. They went to him because they had a rapport. Right. Not all small businesses had that same that same luxury, you know? There were a lot of small businesses that started in 2018 and 2019. There was a, um, there was a Vietnamese restaurant that opened up in the same shopping center as the Walmart that we used to live near. Mm -hmm. It was a Vietnamese restaurant. These guys came from Vietnam and opened up a pho restaurant. I don't know if you know what pho is. It's basically ramen on steroids. It's incredible. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, they Beatrix were really is my suffering. Wife. I, I know what all kinds of food is now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> she's my, she's my, she's my, uh, my food muse. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm, I'm a food nerd as well. And she's like, oh, I haven't heard of this. Like she had never heard of French onion soup. And I was like, here's my recipe. I gave her the recipe. So if you eat a really fucking banging French onion soup, just know it's my recipe. Awesome. But yeah, but yeah, um, you know, like a lot of these small businesses were struggling to survive with the lockdown, and mm -hmm. some of them were brand new. Like Pho Asia opened maybe three months before the lockdown. We went, we sat there, we ate. We actually talked with the owner, and he was like, yeah, you know, Americans eat a lot of solid food all the time. Whereas like Vietnamese people eat a lot of liquid. They eat a lot of soup right? and, and things with like bone broths and stuff. And when the lockdown started, we ordered from them like two or three times a week mm -hmm. because we were like, listen, we are voluntarists. We believe in voluntarily supporting the things that we believe in. And we ordered that several times a week just because we were like, dude, you deserve the fucking money. Your food is incredible. And even though we knew we, that we were moving out of the state within a few months, we 
paid that business as often as possible to make sure that they stayed afloat. And that's something that that Governor Murphy doesn't think about because he's like, no, we just need to lock down because even if it saves one life, and it's like, dude, is is saving a life from illness better than saving eight lives from poverty? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's something that you just, you just really don't understand unless you come from the school of Austrian economics. Right. All right. That was part one with Ryan Bunting, the author of Project Manicore. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.